you know, I had a professor in business school who said to me, you know, find the thing that you're always apologizing for about yourself and find a way to get paid for it. Plug into the minds of the world's cutting edge innovators, visionaries, and thought leaders who are rewriting the rules of sales and success. It's your time to make an impact. I am your host, Jason Mark Campbell, and this is the Selling with Love podcast. Hey, listeners of the podcast, we've put together an exciting community where you can dive deeper into the content of every single episode. And for those of you who join this community from the podcast, we'll give you an access to a course we've just put together worth $500 all yours for free, while we're sending this out to our listeners of the podcast. Simply go to sellingwithlove.com forward slash podcast to be eligible to get this course for free, and we look forward to seeing you in the community. Thanks again for listening, and now, enjoy the episode. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to the Selling With Love podcast. I'm so excited today because we're going to talk about not only how does it actually help you to have skills in sales whenever you're trying to scale a company, but we're actually gonna be looking at a tool that I just discovered, I'm super excited about, which is gonna be priceless if you're a small business or a sales person who's trying to replicate, standardize, and build processes in a better way. So I'm super excited to talk not only to the amazing person, but to speak about the company that they are the co-founder and CEO of. Jennifer Smith joins me as this person for Scribe, which is a company that allows you to document your processes and record everything in a very easy way, turning you more productive and creating step-by-step tutorials for any task, including your sales processes. And she's been a graduate from Princeton and Harvard, worked at McKinsey, is a former venture capitalist, and had a fun story as well, which we might start off with, which is even when she was eight months pregnant of her recently born little boy, she was able to secure $30 million of funding within her company. That takes some tenacity, that takes some sales skills and dedication, but I'm super excited to be able to dig deeper into what does it take to be able to scale the company and building our processes and using a tool such as Cribe in the process. Jennifer, welcome to the show. Thanks so much, Jason. I'm excited to be here. I dropped that story because it was in your show notes and I thought that was quite dedicated, impressive. Tell us more about this whole journey of raising these funds and doing it at such an interesting time. Yeah, so this was our Series A for Scribe that we had raised when I was eight months pregnant. We had raised our seed round, you know, eight months prior, essentially right before my son. And we hadn't spent any of the money from our seed round and I was not planning to raise it all. No one ever thinks, hey, I'm eight months pregnant. This is a great time for me to go out and fundraise. But we ended up getting connected to the folks who ended up being our lead investors. And the conversation kind of went quickly from there. And you know, I kind of said to them, hey, disclaimer, like I'm about to go out, I'm about to have my son. This is my first child. I don't really know what's going to happen, right? And how quickly I'm going to be able to come back to work. And you know, to their credit, they said, Congratulations on your family. That's great. Let's get back to talking about the business. <laughs> no big deal. And you know, I'd come from venture capital before and I hadn't seen any founders who had raised, you know, when they were pregnant. So, I ended up sharing my story, you know, after I had my son because I thought it was important for people to see an example of someone who didn't look like your classic founder and your classic kind of I just raised a series A story. Well, I love that you're opening that up. I do have a majority female audience, and I think it's inspiring to see that you're able to balance the life, do some incredible things as well. And incredible for sure. Like I'm looking at Scribe, 
And like I mentioned, this is a tool that documents a bunch of processes and helps you build these tutorials. And I wanted to speak more about the problem itself. So when I speak of my methodology around selling with love, one of the biggest things we start with is the impact we want to make. There's problems we want to solve. And I'd be curious to know about what did you find was the problem? How did you discover it? And how was it such a problem that you're like, I need to build this solution for it? I love that you say starting with the problem, because that's very much the way that scribe came about for me. I sort of fell in love with a problem or rather like you become very frustrated and vexed by a problem and you almost sort of say like, God, there just has to be a better way. And that was me for, I'd say essentially 15 years. You know, I originally started my career as a consultant in mostly operations and organization work, which is just a fancy way of saying I spent a lot of my time nine to five in ops centers, looking over the shoulder of agents, trying to figure out what they were doing. And in particular, try to figure out how to scale what the best people were doing. Right. And, you know, at the time that was really me with like my Lenovo ThinkPad, just like writing down furiously what I saw them doing well. And, you know, typing that up and putting that in a fancy PowerPoint and selling that back to my clients for a whole bunch of money. And I always thought at the time, like, gosh, if those people could have just shared what they knew how to do, they could have had really big impact on those people around them. Right. Because a lot of the time they would say to me, I was trained to do this. And they'd, I'm dating myself now, bring out a thick manual binder and thunk it down on the desk and be like, these are all the procedures that I was handed when I started. But let me show you what I've actually figured out. That's just a lot better, faster, quicker, easier. Right. And here are my screens and here's what I'm doing. And, you know, I kind of said like, this feels like an obvious problem. Like someone will solve this someday, surely. Right. And you fast forward 10 years and you know, I'm working in VC and I spent a lot of my time there talking to buyers of enterprise software. So folks who are just operating in companies. And I would ask them, like, what are some of your biggest problems? What are some of the biggest challenges you have? What do you wish existed? What do you wish you had technology for? And I kept hearing over and over again, you know, I have all this institutional know-how around what people do every day when they show up to work and they're working on their laptop, fingers on keyboard. And like, I try to capture that know-how, but it's really hard because your options really only to tell someone like, hey, Jason, can you take some time away from your job today and write down what you know how to do, which is not a popular ask. Or, hey, I'm going to hire a version of Jennifer to come sit and look over your shoulder and write that down for you. And that's not really a popular option either, right? And both of those are pretty manual. And so I looked at that and said like, gosh, there just has to be a better way than everyone constantly explaining to each other all the time how to do things. I, I kind of call it like a problem hiding in plain sight. I think it's something that we've all just accepted as a part of doing business. Whenever you start a new job or you're onboarding a, a new employee or hiring a new contract or working with a new customer or working with an existing customer, anywhere where you're trying to explain to someone, hey, here's how you use this software. Hey, here's how you do this process. Here's how you quickly troubleshoot that thing that you're trying to figure out. We're all just having Zoom conversations and emails and Slack messages and text messages with each other all the time, one-on-one -on -one about this. And we said, well, what if you could use technology to make this scalable? What if you could use technology to make this automatic? What if I could just watch you do the magic thing that you know how to do and automatically create step-by-step -step written documentation with screenshots and everything, just make it totally foolproof and easy. And all you had to do was do the thing you already know how to do and we're planning to do. And you just got to hit that record button and then technology takes care of all the rest. That was kind of the nexus of Scribe and the way that it was born. And 
you know, I come back to that problem. To me, I'm obsessed with solving inefficiencies. I hate inefficiency. Just deeply bothers me <laughs> in a way that I don't think it does for other people. If you were to ask my husband one of his pet peeves about me, he would say it's that I'm always trying to do things the most efficient way possible. I like I'm charting out my chore routes, you know, to make sure like I minimize distance. I'm always trying to multitask. You know, I'm always doing these kinds of things. And, you know, I had a professor in business school who said to me, you know, find the thing that you're always apologizing for about yourself and find a way to get paid for it. And to me, it's, you know, always trying to maximize the most Pareto efficient outcome for everyone. And now I've found a way to, I guess, get paid for it, right? I found a way to build a company. And ultimately what we're trying to build here is a movement around making people just more efficient and productive in their jobs. You have done the hard part already. You've figured out how to do something valuable and interesting. Let's use technology to make that scalable for you. All right, Jennifer, first off, massive appreciation for some of the things that motivate you. This whole efficiency thing is also something I have a massive pet peeve with. This is why when I discovered your software, I'm like you, but that didn't decide to do anything about it, which is like, I'm always documenting. I'm always using different tasks. I was like, there's got to be someone who's going to solve this. And I realized it's you. So thank you. And this is an amazing tool. I think when you start being much more effective by being able to document everything, you can scale. And this is already something I'm excited about. And I just, with your permission, want to just put this into a framework that I often talk about that my listeners would be familiar with, which is if you listen closely to what Jennifer said, she started with the problem for the direct client or the buyer that she's interacting with. And she started being curious and she asked like, what is this going to be? What's this problem? What it would look like if you didn't have this problem, whether the alternatives, they suck, there's got to be something better. And so now you've realized that there is a place you can make an impact directly for the buyer. And I love why you tied this also for the impact for yourself. Like this is something you care about. This is something you had a natural tendency for wanting to make things more efficient. So there's kind of a passion that gets built around the business you created because you deeply care about it too. You care about the difference it's making to the individual when they buy it. And then you even talked about the difference you make in the world, seeing that everyone gets more efficient. And to me, there's nothing worse than waste in the world. So if we can reduce waste, even in the way we do our processes, it's a beautiful thing. And for a lot of us, we don't have that clarity of impact and problem solving we want to do, which is maybe making us hesitate on, is this really the business we want to be in? And it sounds to me like you are in the perfect business, Jennifer. So exciting. This is amazing. And I can understand how you must have been so easily able to raise money in the process. And I, I'd be curious to know, like, what does the typical conversation look like when you get into speaking to large VC companies and you're talking to them about your business, what do you think makes them the most excited about giving you the money to grow what you're doing? I mean, it's not that different from the conversation that you and I just had now, right? Which is what problem are you solving? Who are you solving it for? Why does it matter? And how big can it be? Those are really the questions you're trying to answer, right? And you need to be able to answer those really clearly and articulately. You'd be surprised. I mean, how many people sort of start companies and they're like really passionate about a solution. They're really passionate about the product, right? Or they're really passionate about the segment, but they haven't connected all of those things together, right? And where things really sing is where you say, hey, I want to help knowledge workers everywhere. And Scribe works for anyone who has to explain to anyone how to do something. We see a lot of the time, who does that show up as? It shows up as salespeople, customer success people, often small businesses because they're playing that role for you know, many different hats at once. People who care about the efficiency of their day, but also providing really great either service or support, whether that's to a teammate or to a client. 
you know, and what's the problem that you're trying to solve for them? Like, why does that matter to them? And why does that matter to you? And then connecting that to why are you the person, this is what investors care about. Why are you the person who's best equipped to solve that, right? Do you have something special about your background? Do you have a unique insight? Do you just have so much passion about this space and so much curiosity that you've just gone deeper and you know so much more about it? There's kind of many different paths and many different ways that you see from investors. I think for us, it's all of those things combined plus the size of the opportunity. When you think about how many people are there every day who have to explain to someone how to do something, think about you know your day yesterday. How many times do you think you answered the question, can you show me quickly how do I do this? Or how many times did you have that question yourself? McKinsey's done some studies on this and they estimate it's about 20% of the average knowledge worker's week. So that's one day out of a five-day work week that they're spending trying to find answers to questions on how to do their job or answer the questions for other people. And we've worked with customers who have done rigorous time studies to document this themselves and they find it's anywhere between like 15 to 30% depending on their business. So we're talking about a real problem that's a real time suck for people. And to go back to your original question, investors get really excited about these big opportunities that change the way that people work. And I get excited about these things that can be a force multiplier on people's time. Because to your point, when we think about impact, we think about what's the impact we can have for our individual user and customer. What's the impact that we can have as an overall company and like impact on the world as a company? And then what's the impact for each of the individual people within our company? And like, what does that journey mean for them? And being very purposeful about tying all of those things together. When you do, that's when things really sing, right? That's when it gets really fun and exciting and big. You definitely sing a great song. And this doesn't sound like your first rodeo. You've obviously pitched your business. You've done some work. And you seem to have this natural salesmanship or saleswomanship. And I wanted to ask, do you feel like this is something you've consciously went out to learn? Like, did you go and get sales training? Is it something you've always had natural? And what's your advice for anybody who's a founder and CEO that maybe have that reluctance around sales? Because you seem to be doing it beautifully. I'm not quite sure that I actually have salesmanship. So maybe thank you for saying that, because that's a doubt that I've always had about whether I even do. You know, I have no formal sales training. I have never been a sales professional. I've technically never carried a quota, although you could argue having a company now is the quota in and of itself. You know, my first experience, I guess, formal experience with sales came when I was in business school. And, you know, I went to HBS. There's no sales class at HBS. They don't teach sales at all. Don't even talk about it. Never really mention it as a word. And I remember in the second semester of my last year, there was in like an after class lecture by some guy who, you know, must have had some great slogan to get me to come. But he was basically sort of like everything that you don't know about sales, but should. And so I said, well, I know nothing about sales and I don't know that I'll ever need that. But, you know, why not? I've got some free time. Right. And I showed up and the guy was like, look, if you take away only one thing from business school, it needs to be learning how to sell. And it's a travesty that this is something that you guys don't talk about at all because you are always selling. I don't care if you're never carrying a quota. I don't care if you are never even running your own business. If you are selling, you are selling yourself as your personal brand, regardless of what you're doing. You are selling your product or service. You are selling your company. You are selling employees who need to come work with you. You are always selling. And so this is like the number one skill that you need to cultivate. And 
that was kind of like a transformational aha moment for me in my head where I went like, oh shoot, this guy's right. And this is actually a skill that I've never thought about. And, you know, coming from consulting, I think there's actually almost this culture that like sales is a dirty word, right? Like we don't do sales. We don't do sales. We do value added partnerships, right? We're trusted advisors, right? That's what we do. We're not trying to sell people. We're here to help them. And I think what my evolution has been is realizing that those things are the same. Like if you're a good salesperson, you're a good trusted advisor, right? Your job is to solve a problem for someone else. You have some information that person doesn't have. They have a problem. Maybe they know it. Maybe they don't know it. Your job is to help them understand and better define that problem and help them solve it, ideally with you know whatever it is that you're representing. And to me, that's been a huge come to Jesus moment with myself about what it means to do sales is it's not forcing something onto someone in a dirty way. It's solving a problem for them, which I think is actually like a deep human need. I think we all want to help other people. And what I've come to realize with myself and how I've gotten really comfortable in embracing sales is realizing like, no, you're just solving problems for other people, right? And now you shouldn't be representing something you don't believe solves people's problems, right? That's not sales, actually. That's almost like con. <laughs> That's doing something you don't believe in. But if you truly believe in what you're representing and it's helping someone, then your job is just to go out in the world and find those people and educate them as well as you can and as efficiently as you can. And not all of them are going to want what you're selling. You know, maybe it doesn't solve their problem, but your job is to find the ones for whom it is. And at the end of the day, like they'll be thankful to you because you solved the problem for them. And that's good. That feels good. And that's what good sales is. And that's been kind of the arc for me is coming to realize that. And now what I do every single day, all day is sales, whether I'm selling, I'm selling a new hire, I'm selling investors. I mean, at the end of the day, investors, what am I, I'm selling equity in my company, right? And, and why this can be important. I'm obviously selling customers and clients on why we can help solve their problems. Well, I'm glad you made a reference to a coming to Jesus moment, because from what you just said, I can only reply, amen, <laughs> because that's definitely the view that I'm trying to make sure more people acknowledge. I feel like we use that word sell to put everything about negative sales and just label it on top of sales as a whole. But as you've realized is it can be such a beautiful thing. And when it is, we try to label it something different than sales. And the problem I see with that is now people have such a reluctance to get started and if you have this idea that oh my god sales will be a necessary evil i need to do but when you actually integrate it and recognize how beautiful powerful it is and how much it helps you and it can be done in a way that has integrity that's when you start to shine and i was going to ask how many employees are at scribe at this point we're just a little under 50. and is there a dedicated sales department within the team there is I'd be curious to know, what are the biggest things that you need to teach these salespeople? Do you have a direct management role with the sales team? And what are the key things that you want to make sure that they have within their toolbox to be able to be effective in promoting the message for something like Scribe? Yeah, it's a great question. So I have an excellent sales leader with 20 years of sales experience who reports to me and then a sales team under him. And, you know, I think our answer is probably quite different than it is for most of the sales professionals kind of listening to this because... Our sales team is actually pretty experienced. They're folks who come from much larger enterprises who are used to selling an established product in a very established way. 
which is kind of a my way or the highway, more or less, right? Sort of like our product is used in these particular ways. And like, this is the collateral and this is what our sales process looks like. And, you know, you as the customer kind of like follow this process and like, and we march you through it. And, you know, with Scribe, we had to learn how to sell Scribe because, you know, it's, it's the first time that anyone's, you know, come to market with this kind of product. It's the first time, obviously, we're selling it. And it's also a pretty different way of buying, right? I mean, I, what I'm sort of telling you is like, you've got a problem you didn't even know you had, which is a harder sell because, you know, once I show people Scribe and really talk about it, they're like, oh yeah, you're right. I actually do spend about a day of my week, like trying to explain these things to people or trying to find the information myself. But absent having had a conversation with us, they're not going to independently raise their hands and say like, I have a documentation problem, right? I need to figure out how to scale myself more. Everyone just kind of assumes it's a cost of doing business. And so that's a very different way for our sales team to have to operate, right? Which is now you actually have to take a few steps back and do some basic education around helping people really understand the problem that they have. And everyone kind of knows it, but you need to like make it clear for them about why this problem really matters and what it means for them and how much it's costing them, right? And you got to like take them through that journey. Well, what if you didn't have to lose a day a week? What would that look like? What could you be doing instead? How would you use this to scale yourself more? Could you hire faster? Could you ramp up faster, et cetera? And so there was a lot of learning that had to come in around like, how do you best tell that story? And how's that different for different people, right? You talk to some folks and they immediately get it and you can jump ahead 10 steps and other folks who are more reluctant, right? And you got to personalize it for them. So, you know, with our sales team, I think it's been a huge learning curve for them of what it means to sell in a much more ambiguous environment with a less established product and a category that we are creating that does not exist where buyers are not educated. And what does that process look like? And what do those skills look like? And so the kinds of sales folks that we brought on are probably pretty different in that we looked for folks who were really excited to be building who said like, you know, I want to build new sales processes. I want to think about what the strategy for sales looks like. I want to be early sales and building that go to market. And, you know, one of the rewarding things for me, I was talking to my sales leader just a couple hours before this actually. And he was like, you know, I know Scribe is your baby. He's like, but I feel like it's my baby too now. And I've talked to the sales team about this and like, they all feel like this is their baby. One of our sales reps just closed a really large deal for us. And it's the largest deal she's ever closed in her career too. And it's just a a really great story all around. And we were celebrating the win at our all hands this morning. And, you know, she started tearing up and she was like, it's not because like what this means to me. She's like, I know this is like just such a great proof point for the company. And like, it means a lot to me that I was able to do this and that I was able to grow as a rep as well. And so those are the kinds of things that, you know, I really look for is like for early sales teams, who are the people who are going to get energized by not just, oh, I I closed one more deal, you know, I'm going to get the commission, but like, wow, I figured something out. I figured out who a great buyer is. I figured out a story that resonates with them. I figured out how to help them get to a place that adds a lot of value. And like, I'm excited to be building alongside selling. I am 
all smiles. I hear these stories. It all sounds wonderful. And I'm hoping for anybody listening here, you can see how much fun, exciting it is when you start taking sales from a place that a big focus is actually on education and understanding the customer and making sure the product solves their problems, makes that impact, I think is super valuable. And I think you have a great example of a healthy sales culture. And I'm excited to see that you're creating a product that solves a genuine need and it's being done in the right way. I have a genuine question. It's going to be one of my last questions, which is just, you know, you have 50 team members, you're scaling this company, it's a SaaS, and it's actually solving some real problems. And you're at the head role as the founder, CEO, you've raised money, but you've been in VC before. So I'm sure this concept was not as foreign to you as you've been on the other side of the equation. But I'd be curious to know, at the position you are now with the company growing and you being at the head of it, is there a role that you had to take on as the founder CEO that you just weren't expecting and kind of brought you some new awareness or new appreciation of what does it take to be the founder CEO of a growing company? <laughs> How much time you got? <laughs> Uh, every role. I mean, you know, literally like from the earliest days, I was, uh, you know, janitor, uh, realtor who found our office space, uh, contractor, because I hired some guys from the internet who got high on the job and weren't reliable. So I had to assemble all our furniture myself to, you know, closing some of our first, you know, six figure deals. I had never thought of, I, we talked about this, like I'd never thought of myself as a salesperson. And I don't think I really even did until, you know, our sales team joined and they were like, you, know, you closed a bunch of our first early deals for us. Like that was great sales. You know, I guess that was in my mind, I thought of myself as like a consultant. I was trying to solve a problem for these people. And like, I genuinely believed that Scribe solved it for them and it did. And so it was like this wonderful win-win where I was able to help them out. You know, when you have a team of 50 people, you are motivational speaker, uh, therapist, uh, psychologist, you know, a career coach, you sort of name it, you're playing all roles. And I think that that's the part that I really like, because if I'm good at what I'm doing, our company's growing really quickly. And it means that my job is different month to month, quite literally. You know, I look at like, where are the parts of the business? Not right now, but maybe that I think in two, three months are going to be the real bottleneck or like the real thing that's going to push the business forward. And I gear up to spend a bunch of my time on that, whether it's trying to understand what excellent would look like for that stage and saying like, Hey, I'm going to go before we hired our sales team. I so said like, I'm going to go talk to a bunch of really excellent sales professionals to try to understand how they think about their craft and what great looks like. And I'd had the privilege of working with many before, but never anyone who had built a sales team from scratch at a new company that had never sold before outside of founder selling, right? So I said, let me go understand what great looks like for that. So I'm always doing a lot of like preparation work of, we don't have this problem yet, but I think we will soon. Let me understand how we can solve it, how other people have solved it before. You're never solving something no one has ever thought about before, right? There's always someone who's come before you has thought about the problem in some way. Let me find five people who are really smart about that and try to learn as much as I can from them. And now let me, I always tell my team, I'm like, tell me where the boulders are that you see on the horizon and I will fling my body at them. So I am finding the boulders. I'm talking to people who have seen those boulders before and I'm like flinging my body at it. And those boulders, you know, are very different <laughs> depending on where the business is at and which month we're talking about. And that keeps it really fun for me. It means that I'm constantly learning and growing. 
Jennifer, I'm excited for the growth of Scribe. And for everybody listening, you'll definitely want to go to scribehow.com. You'll be able to learn more about this platform and use it as well. I'm super excited in the process of booking this interview with Jennifer. I got to discover this product and I'm super excited to get started on it. So definitely take a moment, go to scribehow.com. You'll be able to see how it looks like. Look at how all of their marketing material is positioned to reflect some of the conversation we've already been having with Jennifer so far. I think your company is on a great path. They were selling in a modern way. This seems like this essence of selling with love is already injected within everything you're doing. So I see a bright future and I'm excited for everything, which brings me to the final question, which I already hinted towards, which is selling with love. This is the podcast you are on. And I need to ask you, what does selling with love mean to you? To me, it means having good intentions for the person that you are selling to and genuinely just trying to solve a problem for them. And this may be heretical for me to say, but I almost try to release myself from the outcome and release my agenda. And I just get on a call with someone and I say, like, tell me about your problems. Like, what do you got going on? What are you trying to solve? Right. And people will tell me and I'll be like, okay, those last two are doozies. I can't help you with those. Those first two, like, I think we might be able to talk more. Like, let me tell you how I would think about it. Let me tell you how I've seen other people solve this. And just getting really kind of curious and interested in that person and what they're trying to do. And, you know, the conversation usually ends up coming back to scribe eventually, but I'm usually not the one who brings it there. Usually they are, right? And to me, it's about like just building that connection. And that's what I find enjoyable. That's what's fun for me. And so I think it comes through as pretty genuine. And when I heard of selling with love, that was like the first feeling that came to my mind was right after you get off call with someone and you felt like, oh yeah, like I think I can really help them. You know, I think what I've been working towards actually can like solve a problem for them and make their day or their week, their month, their year, whatever, a little bit better. That's a great warm, fuzzy feeling. Well, I think for everybody, I'll speak on their behalf saying that this was a fantastic conversation, great insights. Thank you for letting us look inside your growth, your company's growth, and the premises that you have around sales and building a business. I think they're extremely valuable. I think it's very enlightening to see how business is being done in a way that's so much more healthy than what people stereotypically look at sales being this hardcore you know, manipulative type of energy that comes with the word. We're seeing that there's a lot more amazing role models that are coming out, showing how it can be done in a powerful way, doing a difference, making that impact. And I feel like you are living that. So thank you for coming to share on the podcast. And for everybody listening, if you enjoy these stories with founders, CEOs, even more so than when I bring sales professionals, where we get to see how they've put into practice their sales practices, their history with sales, how they've adopted it to their own style, definitely take the time to connect with me on LinkedIn. We have a community for all the listeners of the Selling With Love podcast. I would love to see you join that community and be able to open conversations of who are the kind of guests you would like to have on the show. I definitely enjoyed my conversation with Jennifer here, and we look forward to bringing more of these business owners that teach us the modern ways of selling, the beautiful ways we can sell, and discovering some amazing tools in the process as well. Once again, Jennifer, thank you so much for your time, and all you listeners, keep selling with love. Thanks, Jason. I am your host, Jason Mark Campbell, and this is the Selling With Love podcast.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.